So my mentor, Rich, pulled me into the office and goes, are you sure that real estate is what you want? How long ago was this, Whitney? 13, no, like 20 years ago. Welcome to this week's episode of Hey Homegirl. Welcome back, homegirls. I'm so excited to be here with you this week. We are in Wellesley Chapel with the amazing Whitney Lore. Whitney, like me, has been in this industry for over two decades. And this week, she is going to share with us her passion about real estate, why she's always thriving to learn as much as she can, and how early on in her career, she realized that to be the best realtor she can be, and how early on in her career, she realized to be the absolute best realtor she could be didn't mean helping everyone. It meant helping a certain demographic of people that fit best with her. She learned early on what her perfect avatar of a client was, and then used that same strategy to build her perfect team. So this week, she's going to share some of those tidbits with us. She's also going to tell us how she took a deep dive into video and how that has become a routine part of her marketing strategy and how it is helping her reach her goals. And she's also going to share a little bit about where she thinks our industry is headed in 2024. So let's get started. Hey, homegirls, welcome to this week's episode. We are just outside of Tampa, Florida in Wesley Chapel with Whitney Lore, and I'm so excited to have her on today. Thank you for sharing time with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited. So you are like an unbelievably successful agent. When I look at your book of business and I look at everything that you've accomplished in the short time that I've known you, it's just super impressive from what you're doing on your marketing end of things, the fun you're having and the team that you built. It's just very, very very impressive. Thank you very much. And it's not what I thought I wanted it to look like, but you know, I, I thought I wanted it to be one way and now we've gone the other and it's actually such a great fit. And the agents that are part of the team, you know, it's just, it's a lot of fun when you attract your tribe. Yeah. How did you go about one, finding that tribe and two, being able to overcome, like in your head, you thought you wanted it to be one way, but you knew enough to shift and make it something different. And how did you overcome that? You know, I thought, because I make phone calls, like I have no problem making my phone calls every day, um, you know, being diligent about it, making sure that my mailers go out. And then when I have these agents that they're good agents, they're just doing it differently. You know, they're more networking in their neighborhoods, they're, you know, or they're sending out their mailers. But some of them, if I asked them to get on the phone, they would start crying. So, you know, I had to get out of my own head that I wanted it to be this way because I was providing them leads. And when I sat down with them, I said, you guys aren't doing anything with these leads. And they're like, we don't need them. We don't want them. So that's an expense that I had in my head and that, that I had to provide that value, but we're not doing that any longer. My value is supporting them social media. That was hugely important. I had to find out from them. So it wasn't providing these leads. It was on an expense of another, another side. Yeah. And I think so many people that want to start a team or a small boutique brokerage, they don't understand that you can spend a lot of money buying leads and you can spend a lot of time trying to get leads for your agents. But if you're not teaching them on conversion or seeing if it's actually what they really want, then it's a waste of your energy and your resources. 
Totally is. Totally yeah. is. And I think that was hard for me because I thought I have to do this. No, you don't have to do anything, yeah. you know? And I think that's why we, I thought I wanted a bigger team. No, we're pretty small in stealth and we're hitting some pretty big numbers this year. Yeah. In a market where everybody says things are down, but it seems like every week I'm on social media and you're at a different listing. Yeah. We are. We're very fortunate that what we're doing is working and, you know, it's like you, you work hard, you reap the benefits of it. And I think that's where a lot of agents, aren't doing that right now. They're a little nervous. They're a little, you know, the market's pivoting. You know, right now we're doubling down where a lot of agents are pulling back. They're pulling back their social media or their mailings or what they're spending. And I'm not saying go be stupid with what you spend, but if it's working, double down on it right now. And really focus on that consistency. Absolutely. Yeah. So in your marketplace, there are a lot of agents. Yes. There are a lot of agents and that can be intimidating, I think, to so many people. Just like we were just talking about, you start starting a team that can be intimidating and you think you have to do things the way they've always been done, or you think you have to structure it a certain way. And I think one thing that's super impressive about you is that you are listening to what's working for you and not listening to what you're supposed to be doing. Yes. Well, and you and I had that conversation, you know, that you are the same way. I mean, your, your team around you is very loyal because you do it the way that you want to do it. And, you know, they buy into that. They, they own into that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I watch you and what you do and your role model that, your people are loyal and you're very successful in a market that has a lot of agents as well. Where did you find the confidence to figure out your niche? You know, I think it's because I was running all over the place and it really started when we were doing social media because I'd be like, oh, people want to hear about Tampa because I'm going to talk to everybody about Tampa. Nobody gave a crap. Nobody was watching any of these videos. Nobody, we weren't getting any views, any reaction or anything. And I'm like, all right, what do I like? So, you know, we live in community that has a golf course. We drink wine. We have rescue dogs. We, you know, I kind of looked at myself and I said, who would my friend be? Yes. And that's really when I figured that piece out, not that I can't help everybody, but you've really got to niche it in. And, you know, who is like you that's going to like your your message that you're putting out? Who is going to trust you? Who would you have a glass of wine with? Because not all my clients, you know, at the end of the transaction, I hate to say some of them, they weren't a fit for me for whatever reason. And I think once I started to learn that, that's when we really started to attract the people that are very much like us and that we can get that message out and they would understand our message. Yeah. I think as agents, when you come into this industry and you're newer, you're like, oh, I'm licensed in this whole big area. So I can do anything all over the place. And they don't understand the competence level you have to have to really know a specific location and provide really good service. Well, I think you're just so desperate's the word, you know, at the very beginning to make your first sale, to make your first 10 sales, that you'll go and do anything. And it's like people ask me all the time, I'm in Tampa. I don't do the beaches. It's I don't know anything about it. I can tell you how to get to the beach, but I can't sell you condos or anything like that. So I think you've got to be confident enough to say no, thank you, because I'm not going to be helping you by doing that. I don't know those areas. I don't know the zoning. I don't know condo laws, any of that stuff. Whereas I do residential. I'm on the outside of Tampa and I can talk to you about the schools and the ice skating rinks and all the shopping and everything else that's in this area. I can't do that by the beach. 
And I think the more that you are okay saying, I have referral partners over here and we've got fantastic referral partners and it's okay that I'm going to give that business away because at some point it's going to come back. And so what's the drive difference between the area that you focus on and the beaches? Probably about an hour and 15 minutes to the least amount, you know, to easily over two hours. That's awesome. And when you decided to start to structure your team in the way that you wanted it, how did you find that tribe? Kind of by accident, to be honest with you. You know, the first hire that I had is Erica and her fiance, I sold his house and then she got her license and we had lunch and they thought they were going to a different brokerage. They were just, you know, we were having lunch and a few cocktails and they said, hey, you know, I said, I'm going to be starting the team. I don't know what it looks like. Do you want to jump on? So that's kind of how it started. It wasn't anything. I knew that I was going to be doing that. I just didn't know I was going to be doing it so soon. And what were the indicators in your business that made you understand that you needed to not be a solo agent anymore? Like, was it that you knew where you wanted to go or was it that you just had so much on your plate? So I'll never forget. We were in Dallas at Summit. And Tom was talking about the teams and everything like that. And my coach is at the back of the room. And he said, you're either going to have to be like a solo agent with lots of support people, or you're going to have to be a team. And I remember going, I, uh, I'm not really sure, but you know, and then he kept talking about it and kept talking about it. And, and I remember going back to the back of the room to see my coach. And I said, you know, I can't have a vacation. I have all this business. I'm losing buyers. I can't handle it all. And he's like, well, I need you to text your broker right now and tell her that you're starting the team. And there we go. So that's how it was, was that I needed that push and that confidence to say, hey, I'm going to be okay. If we fail, we fail. And I did with some of the hires in the very beginning, you know, that you kind of learn from that. But but I'm so glad that I was pushed out of my comfort, you know, my comfort zone to be able to, to start this team because it's not anything I'd ever envisioned. And it gave you back a portion of your life. It did. Absolutely. And you work for Berkshire Hathaway? I do. And they were pretty good about, you know, meeting with you and seeing how you wanted to formulate it? Yeah. Our president actually sat down with me and we have 22 franchises in Florida Properties Group. And she sat down with me and I said, well, I'm trying to figure this out. Do you mind helping? Because, you know, she'd come from other brokerages and had teams and she knew all this information as well as my broker. So I had several meetings with people before we really got this started to kind of figure out how I wanted to structure it because not one team is the same in anything that they do. If you talk to 10 different team leaders, there's 10 different answers as to how they compensate and what they provide. And so what were some of the key hires that you brought on from the moment you decided you, one, as a solo agent needed help, and two, wanted to start something pretty special? So I had a TC and the TC is done by transaction. So she is helping support the other agents as well as I had a part-time social media person to be able to help the team getting the all the logos right, getting the colors right, while still supporting each one of these agents having their own business, you know, that they have their their own real estate, they can have their own brand as long as it looks similar to ours. You know, those were the two biggest people that I had in place. And with the TC, you know, I talked to so many agents from all over the country that are scared to give up the paperwork. They're scared to give up the control. But especially if you're thinking about starting a team or even just bringing on a buyer's agent, understanding the 
the consistency that that can bring to the table and just making sure that for compliance purposes, everything's done properly versus you trying to do it at 10 o'clock at night when you had a full day of work. Yeah. Well, I even hired a TC when I was a solo agent, you know, and I was terrified because I would carry my folders with me. Like, you know, I wanted to be on top of every single day, every single. And now, you know, that I have a TC that I've had for three and a half years and I trust her implicitly, it, it's a game changer. You know, I'm just like, all right, it's in my calendar. When's that inspection due? You know, and she's on top of it every single morning, checking in, saying these are the things that we have to do. It's made a big difference. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We're not quite finished yet, but as the homegirl of your hometown, I would love to pass the mic to you so that you can share your story and some of your secrets with the homegirl community. To apply, please go to howtobeahomegirl.com in the show notes. So for your specific area of Florida that you're covering, Wesley Chapel and the small surrounding areas, what are the things about that community that you love? There's just so much that we love out here. It used to be when we moved out here like 20 years ago, you'd see a lot more cows. Now we do have a lot more new construction these days because everybody's moving to Florida. But we love Tampa as a whole. It's so diverse with where you can go. You know, we've got Ebor and the cigar factories and things like that. We've got downtown. Downtown, they've done such an amazing job of um, revitalizing the waterfront. There's a 2.6 mile river walk that you can walk downtown and you can jump on and off the um, a water taxi and go to restaurants and things like that. So they've done a great job of that. Where we live out in the Wesley Chapel area, there's lots of restaurants, there's um, small businesses that are out here, there's outlets that are out here, you know, lots of mom and pop places to eat, which I love to find a good place to eat and shopping and things like that. And then there's also, you know, an ice skating rink that is the largest in the Southeast. A lot of people don't know that about Wesley Chapel. And, you know, we just have these great neighborhoods in this great community. Great. And how have you worked to kind of infuse some of that local flair into your business? So we do a lot of neighborhood videos. We still do go out and visit small businesses and have small businesses to interview and tell us their story. Like, how did they get started? What's their passion? It was a series called Where's Whitney? Like, Where's Waldo? Uh And we would go out and we would speak to these businesses and then after COVID, they couldn't find people to work. So we it, we kind of put that on the, the side burner because they just didn't want the advertising because they couldn't keep up with it. But good to know that we are starting that series back up again, interviewing the small businesses and talking about the town that we love so much. Very, very nice. And because so many people are moving to Florida, is a big portion of your business referrals from relocation and other places? It is. We also are tied in with Moffitt Cancer Center. They're doing a big hiring in Florida. So we are partnered with them. So we'll work with a lot of the doctors or the lab technicians when they're coming into town. Some of the corporations had put their their plans on hold, but we're starting to ramp back up with those. And just referrals from other agents as well as past clients and things like that. That's what really does drive our business. Amazing. So what would be the craziest real estate story that you've ever had? So my first buyer that I took out, unfortunately had a heart attack while I was showing him a a property and he passed away. My first listing that I had got hit by lightning and burned to the ground. So my mentor, Rich, pulled me into the office and goes, are you sure that real estate is what you want? 
How long ago was this, Whitney? 13, no, like 20 years ago. Oh my gosh. So 20 years ago, back to back, your first two Back to back. Like you can't make this stuff up. And how did you find the perseverance to stick with it? You know, I'd quit my job (laughs) and I had a small child. And so, you know, my husband and I are like, well, do you want to go back to a desk job? And I'm like, no, I really don't. And so we just dug our heels in and had a great first year after that. Yeah. Wow. So did bad things come in threes? Was there a third thing that happened? Not that I remember, or I could have just blocked it out of my memory. (laughs) Possibly. Earlier on in our conversation, you talked about, you know, structuring the team a little bit differently and that you have no problem making phone calls. Was that something that you did in your previous job? Or do you have any advice that you can give to our listeners to kind of get them on the phones a little bit more? You know, I think it's in your head. What happens if they hang up on you? What do you do? You know, it's it's not a big deal. You just keep going. And I actually do something with, it's called seven pennies. And I just take seven pennies. And if I can get somebody on the phone, every time I ask them a question, I move a penny and they're all in a stack. And if I can move five pennies, I've had a great conversation. That's all that it is. You don't have to get to seven, but five means that you've actively engaged them enough by asking those curious questions. If they hang up on you, whoop do doo And you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. But I can tell you, when I first started making calls, probably a few years ago, and I was working on expires, and it was during COVID, actually. And I used to like do the research and, you know, let's let's do the research and let's figure out what the home's like and let's figure out why it didn't list. And then finally, I got a dialer and which automatically dials. And I'm like, I'm not going to do any of that research. I'm just going to dial and go. The first person I called was a million dollar listing, had the best conversation. Six months later, I ended up listing the property, but I used to get in my head, let's go do the research because I didn't want to make the calls. And then once I figured out, just make the calls, just have the conversation, just keep going. And if they hang up on you, oh, well, you know, just it, it actually makes me more determined. I recently was at a statewide uh, realtor conference and the keynote speaker had said, if you're the person that gets rejected the most, you're the person that's making the most amount of money. Yes. Because you're not scared of the rejection. No, you can't be. You really can't mind sharing with our listeners what a couple of those seven penny questions are. So they're just being engaging. You know, you and I did Phil Jones together. Um, And some of them are those questions. Some of them are just sometimes I'll mention that they had their house on the market previously and ask, you know, what happened. Sometimes I won't. I'm just like, hey, are you considering selling now? You know, and if you could go somewhere, where would that be? You know, just asking those engaging questions and just being quiet and then just keep asking more questions. You know, don't put your two cents in. Don't tell them, you know, anything about the market unless they ask you. You keep it engaged about them. I think that's the key part that you just said. Just be quiet. So many times we want to oversell ourselves. We do. That's not what the consumers want, especially right now. I think it's not what I can do for you. It's how can I help you? Absolutely. And I think, you know, if you come from that place of giving and answering the question that they want, not you, you know, if they ask you, how's real estate, you don't know what they're asking. Nine times out of 10 right now, they're asking about their equity. They're asking, is is their home going to be safe? Are they going to lose this equity that they've worked really hard for? A lot of times that's what they're looking for. It's not house real estate. It's, am I going to be okay? And you have to ask those questions to kind of dig a little bit deeper to figure out what their true question is. 
Oh, that's such great advice. Such great advice. At the end of every episode, I ask each female guest, what is one thing that you would give advice or help to empower other women trying to get into our industry or women that are in our industry? I think as women, we have several hats that we always wear, you know, being the mom, you know, being the provider, you know, juggling everything that we have to juggle. And sometimes it can be really hard to be on top and be by yourself, you know, in this industry I've found. So really leaning into other successful women who don't knock you down, but who build you up. And it might take a little bit of time. It might not be in your brokerage. It might be in your brokerage, but it also could be people across the country like you. Look at what you're doing for women. Look at, you know, you're supporting and you're helping and you are such a big cheerleader for women in the industry. That's huge. And I think it takes you a little bit of, of time to find that. But I say seek it out as fast as you possibly can because you're going to need it. You're going to have those days that you need another cheerleader or you you just knock something out of the park and you want to tell somebody. And, you know, not everybody's nice and, <laughs> and is endearing and, you know, as supportive. So find those people that will be. What you just said about knocking it out of the park. I think most women of my generation, so I'm just a couple years away from 50 and we weren't, at least I wasn't. And so many of my friends that are in the same age bracket, we weren't taught to celebrate things the right way. You know, they would think of it as gloating. And I just think there's so many amazing things that as a female business owner and every single agent out there is a business owner, whether you look at it that way or not, from the day you get your license and you decide you want to sell a house, you are a small business owner. And if you're not celebrating those achievements, big and small, it gets really, really lonely. It does. It really does. And, you know, the moment that you realize that you're a CEO of your own company, that's when your business will change as well. No doubt. You know, it's not just about the transactions. It's about your entire business. So good. I cannot thank you enough for spending this time with us today. I think the nuggets of insight that you've given to our listeners is just going to be so important as we head into a brand new year. Well, and I so appreciate what you're doing and giving all this information and this time of yourself. I mean, you are a rock star. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I can't wait to see you in a couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. See you in February. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. 